Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I am here with David Henderson. Trying to get my technology in order here. Yes. Well, and the new thing with face going live on Facebook is that in the past, it's always muted the Facebook feed um, on my computer. And now it's always, it's always live. And so every time I start introducing myself about five seconds later, oh. I hear myself in my, in my headphones <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, I've got to mute that. <laughs> it's just so distracting. So if you see me looking off to the side whenever I'm, uh, whenever we're starting, it's because I've got to quick find the volume button and mute myself. Yeah, I hear myself often enough when it's just my voice in real time, but then to hear my voice a second time, (laughs) five seconds later, that's more than enough. Exactly, exactly. And too confusing because I'm like, wait, what am I saying now? (laughs) Um, So we're here today, David, to discuss your sermon from this past Sunday called Point Up. And this is, um, we're covering our calling, um, love God, love his people and pour out his love on the world. And so this is one expression of pouring out God's love on the world, um, loving our neighbors. And you preached from Matthew 22 verses 34 to 40. And if you're familiar with the greatest commandment, that's the scripture where, um, Teachers of the law come to Jesus and they say, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So that is one scripture I have down. (laughs) I love that. I love that you have it. And I know, Michelle, you've done some pretty in-depth study of scripture Uh, One of the things, this is one of these places where I just find the more we can know about cultural background, cultural context, the more it just kind of makes a passage pop to life. And this Mm -hmm. is one of those examples because, um, you know, we, we hear Jesus kind of saying these two things as if he's just kind of thinking them up and in the moment saying them Mm. when in fact, there is this broil of conversation going on all around him. Every rabbi is, is arguing their own claim. And it's fascinating when you look at the vast majority of the other rabbis, what they would say was their yoke, their, the, the two main commandments out of the 613 that would, mm. would become kind of the, the um, interpretive template for all of the others. Almost always it was tithing was one of them mm. and, and something having to do with the Sabbath was the other one. Uh, so this, you, when you, realize that and that those were the kinds of things that were being highlighted and then along comes jesus that says actually love oh yeah and love uh you it it makes his it even more startling what he expresses and invites us Mm -hmm. right well because it's you know if you think about those you know if the other rabbis are saying tithe and um sabbath are the most important the focus is on outward expression of our faith and God and Jesus comes in and says, actually, I want your hearts. Yes. I want your 
heart. Yep. And, um, and, you know, and then when, when, when I, when you have given me your heart, all those other expressions of that come, come true. Yeah. They fall in line. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. I've been um, coming back to a book that I read about 10 years ago um, by a philosopher named David Noggle. Um, the book is called Reordered Loves, Reordered Lives. And it's looking at mm. the way that Augustine made sense of the Christian life. And it's a phenomenal book. It's, it's, a, it's one of the, the best or maybe the best I've read on kind of discipleship and how the heart gets formed. It's so good. Um, but what, the basic idea there that Augustine brings forward that David Noggle is, is repeating is um, it all comes down to where our love is. And when our heart is rightly given over to God, then all the rest of the parts of our lives get rightly ordered. But when we look at something short of God to be the place where our heart gets attached, then everything else gets disordered. Mm -hmm. um, so exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it re references back to the first, first sermon in this series, right? On Colossians 3, verse 1, set your mind on things above yeah, exactly. or set your heart on things above. Um, yeah. Because that is where, um, you know, and where your heart is. What is that scripture? Where your heart is, that's where your. I don't remember where your it. treasure is. That's where that's, your heart will be. That's, that's what I was thinking of where your treasure is. That's where your heart yeah. is. And so if your heart is with God, then your treasure is with God as well. So you're, you're automatically diving. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and so this sermon was really focused on the second part of that. Um, the second commandment, the one that is like the first love your neighbor as yourself. And, um, and so you had two, ways in which it's like and or a way in which it's like and a way in which it's not like i don't think i have really great notes on that part of your sermon That's, so why don't you tell yeah. us what that well, was? well the main thought there was you know the word you know when you, jesus says this is like this i think people mm -hmm. wondered well what does that mean does that mean they're equal um, mm. and and so part of what i was getting at was jesus himself says the first and the greatest the single greatest commandment is loving God with all of our heart, just as we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Everything else gets rightly ordered after that. But then he says the second one is like it. So in what respect? And I think mm -hmm. some people say, well, it's just like it because he uses the same word for love, which is true and important. But I think um, one of the things that we discover as we go on to the end of the passage is Jesus is saying it's actually like it. Um, in its pivotal importance, you cannot have mm. love for God without love for neighbor. It's that is a false love for God if it doesn't um, <clears throat> work its way out in love for neighbor. And mm -hmm. as we said at the end of this message, you can't really love your neighbor unless your concern is for you to love God and for them to love God too. So Jesus mm -hmm. says the law and that all the law and the prophets hang on these two. So he's saying, he's just saying he's, in, they're inextricably linked. We, mm -hmm. um, it's really appropriate for us to think about the two of them together, summing up uh, what the heart of the Christian life is about. Right. You know, as I was thinking about this passage, I was thinking, well, I mean, if we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then automatically we should be loving our neighbor. So why does he need to tease that out as as a similarly important um, commandment. Um, and so, yeah, so why did he need to do that? 
<laughs> and why did he need to tell us the first one? Um, you know, I think that's just where the, the, the bent of human nature away from God and towards self. Mm. Um, I mean, that's the essential. We, we've talked about this in the past. I love that imagery that was picked up uh, by the church and kind of carried forward through the history of the church of describing the essential nature of man and uh, humanity being bent in upon itself. Mm, uh, right. Um, man curved in upon himself was one of the terms that was used. So the, um, the essential motion of redemption is up towards God, out toward others. So when, when I'm bent in upon myself, I don't see you. When I'm bent in upon myself, I don't rely on God. So mm -hmm. redemption opens me out both directions. So he has to tell us a command because otherwise we're going to be this. We're going to be curved right. in upon ourselves. Um, well, and I think it I, also... I, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think it also goes to um, something you mentioned earlier. Um, and now I just... Oh, man. COVID brain still <laughs> exists, right? Like. Yeah. Um, but, oh, I think it was, um, it's easy for us as humans to say, I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my mind. I, I do. I love him like that. And so I go to church and I only talk to Christians and I only, um, and I do all these things and I tithe my 10% of my mint and my, each one of my spices. And I, you know, and so, and so then it becomes, it, it's so easy to, to take that expression of love and put it into those 633 commandments in the old Testament and, um, and ignore our neighbor. Yeah. And so yeah. I, th I think it, I, th I think it is, God knows us so well that he knows what we need to hear yeah. and the reminder that it's not just looking up. It's also looking out. Yeah, absolutely. And that we are made for that, that that is the design of God when he fashioned us as human beings is that that is what we are made to live for is uh, loving him, loving others. Mm -hmm. you know? And, mm -hmm. and I think that's where the phrase as ourselves becomes so absolutely radical mm. um, the idea of the expression that I used is that, you know, the, some of the translations, the, the as much as the same as you love mm -hmm. yourself in the same way as but really a way another way to say that what would be love your neighbor as if she as if he were yourself mm. and uh, that's really what jesus is getting at and that's saying wow the bar is incredibly high because i'm constantly thinking about myself am i constantly thinking about my neighbor wow no absolutely not mm. um, and so to to think of our neighbor as another self who we are mm. called to give equal care and regard and priority to, um, wow, that just exposes that radical invitation mm -hmm. and how hearts, how much our hearts are still turned in upon ourselves. Um, even post redemption, yes. you know, there's still, that's the work that God is still doing oh. this constantly every single day up towards God out towards others. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, it was interesting because yesterday, no, Monday morning, I was leaving the house at no, later than normal. So I need to drop Anna off at school and, uh, and a group of my neighbors were out chatting on the street and I rarely see people out on our street. And so I was like, oh, I, 
I want to say something to them <laughs> and not just like wave. And so I rolled down my window and I just said, Hey, good morning, ladies. Um, because Anna had to get to school, you know, on time. Um, but normally I would have just driven by and just waved and not even said good morning. Um, you know, with, with a smile on my face, but still it's like that, that extra step of slowing down and just saying good morning, um, felt like, okay, I'm taking one extra step. It wasn't huge. It wasn't huge, but, um, but it was something and, and, and I wouldn't have done it if I hadn't been in church on Sunday morning and listened to your sermon. So it's one of those, I mean, it's just that constant, just the constant reminder of, okay, if I'm out in my backyard and I see my neighbor, I need to say hello, Mm -hmm. not just wave and smile. Um, So before we go to the practical, you know, the whole last two thirds of the sermon or last Mm -hmm. half of it was just, just practical thoughts about how to connect with our neighbors. Um, I think uh, one thing that I would just say that is my experience is when, because of my fallen nature, because of mm-hmm. my absorption with self, I'm, I'm incapable of doing what God asks me to do. Mm. I, can, I can muscle my way and do it for about 37 minutes, sort of in a shaky fashion, and then it falls apart. Mm-hmm. And that's the best I can do. I cannot bring about any lasting change in myself, in my experience. Right. The best way I know how to bring about change is to ask God to bring about the change in me that I can't bring about. So if as a first response to Jesus's command, love God, love neighbor, I go, okay, I'm going to go do it. Um, Right. Yeah. But if I say, God, I can't do that. Help me to do what I'm incapable of doing. Form a love in my heart for you. Form a love in my heart for my neighbor. It happens. I mean, that is my experience in both of those directions. And I don't know a better active step for us to take than to concede that our active steps don't accomplish anything and to go to God in desperation, in invitation. God, you do what I can't do in me uh, Mm. towards you and towards others. Mm -hmm. And and that's some of what, and I share this with MIT, is, you know, um, some of what I've experienced in my love for my own neighbors is I've asked God to form uh, a love in my heart for them. And he has, Mm. Um, it's not me mustering up. It's that I have a regard for my neighbors that I did not have before I started praying that. And then everything else comes from that. Then I'm wanting to serve them. I'm not thinking as a a strategy, I'm going to do this. I just am motivated to, 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 Showcase. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's such an important point. It's just so easy to be like, okay, I can do it. I can do it. I can slow down and wave and say hi. Right. Like, but, um, and, it, but and to, I should do it. Uh, the obligation, the guilt, all exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's totally different to be praying, God, change my heart. Give me that love. Give me that desire. Um, And then, you know, I heard someone say, um, you know, when we pray, we should pray, you know, whatever we pray, um, 
it, it's it's more about forming our hearts um than getting what we want kind of thing right yeah. like um and so that just it just was reminded like just what you just said reminded me of that like yes it's about forming our hearts it's about transforming our hearts it's about form conforming our hearts to jesus and that anticipates where we're going in the next sermon series after this one which is uh, really going to be a fun look at uh, Romans 7 and 8 about the real profound challenge that the Christian life is. And then these three really <clears throat> profound resources that God makes available to us to help live it out in a way that we are incapable of living it out ourselves. And the first one of those is the spirit of God within us. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's just a little tantalizing clue of what's to come. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I, so we, so you had four points of application, right? So the first one was pray, which we've just yep. discussed, pray for ourselves, yep. for our hearts to be transformed um, and to be conduits of Jesus's love for our neighbors. And then pause, pursue and point past you. So what mm -hmm. of those do you think we need to focus on most in our last few minutes? Well, I think one thing that I would want to just reiterate uh, on the, the pause one, that's about leaving margin in our lives. I love mm -hmm. that. And, and I'm challenged by that passage in Leviticus 19. It talks about uh, mm -hmm. when you reap the harvest of your land, don't reap to the very edge of your fields. And I think that when we think about time, when you think about using your time, don't give away, don't plan it ahead that every single minute is spoken mm -hmm. for at the start of the day. Leave room for God to surprise you with his divine appointments. And slow down as you go through your neighborhood, exactly as you did yesterday, which is so cool. So then mm -hmm. one thing that I said, and I, I just think this is, we can't say this often enough. In our, in Western culture today, um, you know, even in the midst of all inflation and all kinds of other stuff going on, we're still very wealthy people. Mm. For most mm. of us, the most valuable thing we can be generous with is not our money, but our time. Mm -hmm. um, most of us, feel um, time poverty. Uh, we go through the day feeling like I have to cling to every minute I've got. And you and I were just talking about how uh, busy we are in this week. Yes. And so the temptation to, to claim all of our minutes and not have any available for others. Um, so don't book every minute, find reasons to be outside mm -hmm. and just slow down and let God arrange what happens in your time. So I shared the analogy or the example of uh, just being outside cutting my grass. And there was a an availability of heart that I had as I was racing the setting sun. Right. So very time conscious, God gave me the grace <clears throat> to pause with each of those three neighbors that came over in order to be present. Yeah. So that would be one thought. I don't know if you want to interact with that. Well, I mean, that was very challenging to me as well to leave margin, um, to be generous with our time. Um, and before we went live, I was commenting on, um, you know, when we do this or, you know, in the context of rest, when we rest, we recognize the fact that God is sovereign over time, over deadlines, over what we need to accomplish. And we can acknowledge trusting him to multiply our efforts to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And I think that's true with margin as well. When we don't um, schedule every minute of the day, um, in order to be the most efficient and the most productive and the most, the most, the most, then 
we have to trust God to multiply our efforts and to multiply our time and to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, not necessarily our, our agenda. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle, I think that is so such an important and awesome perspective <clears throat> that even this, this thing that I'm thinking is about me, my um, time management methods, actually, when I start to carve margin out of my life, becomes an opportunity for me to trust. It becomes a faith posture. I, there was When I was in seminary, I had a really dear friend named David Klotfelter, who's a pastor out in California now. And uh, David, I cannot comprehend how he did this, would finish all of his um, studying and his final papers three days before they were due, and then just walk up and down the hallway and say, hey, can I help anybody type a paper or anything like that? Anybody need any help? And I'm going, how do you do? Wow. I mean, it was... I mean, that, that gift that we give, I mean, what would happen if every one of us, if the question we thought about on Sunday morning was not, what's my schedule this morning, but was, how could I make myself available to the, the covenant family this morning? Hey, kids, let's go to church 15 minutes early and just hang out and talk to people. Hey, let's plan on uh, having a lunch ready at home. And then let's linger after church and pray that God shows us somebody as we're talking to him that we could bring home for lunch with us. You know, that kind of open-handed availability with our time is so counter to the kind of minute by minute, careful planning and clinging yes. that we yes. tend to do with our schedule. Yeah. yeah. And I know it's, it's such a blessing, like just thinking about lunch after church, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, my oldest son moved to Texas this spring and uh, he travels a ton for his job. And so he's not necessarily at church every Sunday. And so I've just been really praying that God would open doors for relationship. And there's a couple in his church. It's a large church. There's a couple in his church who have that kind of posture of Lord, who do you want us to sit with at lunch today? Who do you want us to invite to lunch today? And, and my son has been the recipient of that kind of hospitality a couple of times from this couple. And oh my word, what a blessing to me, <laughs> even though I'm not even, I don't even, I've never met them. I don't even remember their names. Um, but just because they've blessed my son with that, it's really blessed me as his mom. Yeah. So time is the most precious gift we can give away to other people. And yeah, you can forget that. Um, related to that, our attention is another profoundly important gift. So pursue mm. is the next word. Um, right. When when I am actively pursuing somebody else, tell me about you. How do you spend your time? What do you like doing on your free time? Tell me about your family, you know, and so on and so on. And then practicing curiosity. Wow, that's really interesting. Tell me more about that. Wow, I can't imagine the challenge of doing that during COVID. What's that been like? So on, just practicing curiosity and following up mm -hmm. a question with another mm -hmm. question with another question. Man, people feel so loved when they are listened to. And I think um, that is also true in the covenant family, but also out in the community you know if we can give the gift of our time and then mm -hmm. not use the time to focus on us let me tell you about me here's what i do blah 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 blah, blah. you know the right. uh, brian Regan kind of me 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 thing um, right. but the tell me about you 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 um wow that time plus pursuing by listening yeah that's there is power in that and that one of the comments i made at the very end of this message was um as i didn't say it this way but there are no small things when it comes to the kingdom of God or showing oh, love. I'm, I'm so realizing true. this 
I've not done anything in my neighborhood but small things. And what I'm getting back from the neighborhood is this sense of we feel so pursued, we feel so loved, we feel so cared for. Uh, and the disproportion between what I'm inve making, investing out of the corners of my life and how people are receiving that is so motivating to me. It's like the smallest things become significant things. And, mm -hmm. and giving time to stop and say, good morning, ladies. Uh, and, and then pursuing, man, those are such important things. So one yeah. other thing I would just want yeah. to say real quick, Michelle, and I know we're just kind of trying to wrap up here, but I think this is important to say. Um, uh, I just and I and I tried to unfold this a little bit in this point past you section in the end, and, and it might mm -hmm. uh, behoove uh, folks to just go back and listen to that again because I try to be really careful in the way that I worded that. But one of the things I said is, here's something I've become persuaded of when I start thinking in terms of loving loving my neighbor, my concern for their spiritual well-being only grows. Um, I think there's a fear that, you know, if we're just focusing on love, that what we're kind of, we're kind of backing off of the gospel and kind of backing off of mm. the kingdom. And I would say, no, no, no. I am more concerned for the spiritual well-being for my neighbors now as I love them than I ever was when mm -hmm. I was thinking about how to reach them evangelistically, mm. uh, which I yeah. thought of often. Um, yeah. And then the other thing that I said was just, here's something else I've become persuaded of. If I become less concerned about doing good things in a calculated effort to reach my neighbors for Christ, and I become more concerned about simply loving my neighbors, I will actually become more effective at reaching my neighbors for Christ. And so I, you know, I found that spiritual themes will come up much more often and much more naturally if I am thinking about how to love you as my neighbor than if I'm thinking about how to talk to you about spiritual things. Um, yeah. So it's, it is upending the way I'm thinking about this. I am more intentional than ever in sharing my faith now, but I'm doing that by not focusing on that. I'm just focusing on love. Mm -hmm. God, give me a heart of love. I'm pursuing people in love. And then all of these spiritual conversations are opening up as a result of that. I mean, it's amazing to me the kind of conversations I've had with yeah. people in my neighborhood. And it's what... What is amazing to me, too, is that for me, a lot of times I feel like, oh, no, what am I going to say? Oh, no, what am I going to say? When the reality is, um, it's, oh, what question do I need to ask? And oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and if I'm asked a question that the Holy Spirit will, t will give me the words to, to speak yep. in that moment. Right. And it's funny when I'm with someone I love, I'm never thinking about what should I say next? What should I ask next? How is this answer going to come out? I just say something that comes out in love uh, and the words come because I'm not focusing on how I'm doing. I'm just loving the person. So yeah. there is this freedom that comes in that. Yeah. I love that observation, Michelle. I think that's so important. And, that's, and that's even exactly in a, right. I, I mean, I'm just thinking of a specific moment in time. Um, it was many years ago when, um, Somebody asked me a question and, and the basic answer was I had to submit to my husband in this, in this decision, but that's not, that would not have, she would not have understood that answer, right? Mm -hmm. She's not a believer. She doesn't, she has no idea what that means. And so I was like, okay, God, how do I say this without saying that without the Christianese? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it was just, I was in the, I was in the shop 
in public and I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know what to say. And, and the Holy Spirit gave me the words in the moment to explain how I, how I made this decision and the peace that God gave me at when, when I finally submitted, um, without actually using, I had to submit to my husband. To Glenn. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and so that's beautiful. Yeah. So I just want to encourage you, if you're afraid about what you're going to say, <laughs> excuse me. Oh my goodness. I'm still dealing with the sinusy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> oh, if you're, if you're concerned about what you're going to say, ask the Holy spirit in that moment, just pause for 10 seconds and think, God help me in this. And he will give you the words to say in the moment for that person. Yes. I, I found myself listening to what I was saying, going, where is this coming from? <laughs> I, I wouldn't have thought of this is how I needed to word it. But for, for her, that was the way that she needed mm -hmm. to hear it. Yeah. And that becomes only more <clears throat> and more of just a reflexive posture Mm -hmm. when, when more and more you are in those kinds of conversations with people. Um, yeah. And when you're yeah. practicing curiosity, it's not about what you're saying. It's about the questions you're asking. Yes. Yeah. And there's so much, so much freedom that comes and we walk away from a conversation like that and people feel so loved. And yeah. So I, you know, I think I, I we, were, uh, we were talking <clears throat> with the elders last night about this. I really think that this, this kind of approach to um, living out our faith as members of the colony of heaven that is the covenant family um, is, a, is a, long, a long view approach. Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking, how do I share the gospel with you this month and get you in church next month and get you to become a Christian the month after that? I'm right. thinking, how do I love you? And love you in a way that ultimately will lead to your life being transformed by Christ in a lasting way. And, and I think that's just a longer frame of, of reference in terms of time. Mm -hmm. And I really believe what will happen is the kinds of conversions that we will begin to see in our church's family are the profound and lasting and life-changing ones that come from somebody being loved into the kingdom and not strategized into the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think that's important. The long view. We're so focused on, you know, this quarter's goals, this week's goals. We have, what yeah. are the, what do I need to do today in this hour? Right. Yeah. And, um, and to have, have God's view of it's, it's, it's long. It's, it could be a lifetime of loving your neighbor and you still may not see that, see that fruit except in yourself. Yeah. So there's this, uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, intriguing tension between the urgency we rightly feel mm -hmm. for the eternal well-being of our neighbors and a patience that we rightly, uh, live into, mm -hmm. which comes from trusting that God is even more concerned with my neighbor's well-being than I am which doesn't mean yes. I get to slack off, but it means right. I get to, I get to take a longer view of this and not feel so yeah. hasty and be, be much more intentional for the long haul. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's a good place to end. I think. Let's do <laughs>
All right. Well, thank you very much, David, for your time today. I always enjoy the conversations, Michelle. Thank you. I do too. My favorite, the highlight of my week. Um, and thank you to our audience, whether you've joined us live on Facebook or later on our blog or on our podcast. We're grateful for the few minutes that you've spent with us today. Have a great day.